0: Uh, there is nothing like coming home flying back from Townsville after seeing the Cowboys and the Bulldogs play. And you hit the front door and you throw the bags in the be- bedroom. You put the kettle on, take it out of the kids. What's happening? What, do, what have you been up to? Haven't destroyed the place. That's a positive straight away. Then you go, Where's the dog? Hmm. Can't find the dog. Where's the dog? Not out in the backyard. Not inside. Not outside. Go down the driveway. There's the side gate open, and the dog is not to be seen. So (laughs) instead of watching the Panthers and the Titans, we're walking the neighbourhood in three different directions, me and the kids, looking for Molly, the West Highland Terrier. So I can't tell you much. ...about the Panthers and the Titans. Matty Russell, day to you. That's how I spent part of my Sunday afternoon after flying back from Townsville.
1: Was, I feel for you. That is a long afternoon after a long flight back. But if it's any consolation, my trip back from uh, the land of the long white cloud was long as well. I was meant to be back to call... Manly against West Tigers. Credit to Matty Nabel, who stepped in last minute, thanks to our good friends at Qantas. I was left on the uh, take-off strip at Auckland Airport for far too long and uh, couldn't get back in time, but he did a great job and uh, just a behind-the-scenes element that is our job commentary.
0: Thrown in at the last minute, the emergency commentator, Matt Nabel. Great job there at the Tigers and Seagulls yesterday. And what was a stunning game. We'll talk more about that uh, during the podcast today. The good news about Molly, the Westie, we found her, she was around, unsurprisingly, around near a cafe, probably sniffing some food or getting scraps of food from somebody up near the train station, but it was all good. And <laughs> I got back in time to see the Tigers and the Seagulls at Brookvale. It was some sort of weekend as far as rugby league was concerned. It all began last Monday, really. We recorded our show. It goes onto the podcast, Cyberspace Airwaves. And then later that night, Monday night, Greg Alexander puts the cat right amongst the pigeons by saying that he thinks in his opinion that Jonathan Thurston may, just may, have potentially played a year too long. And that was a story that bubbled along all the way until the game I did, Matty, on Saturday night up there in Townsville between the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. And judging by the reaction on social media during the game and then after the game, most people think Brandy might have been right.
1: Well, that was the reaction when he said it originally, that you cannot fault what he says in terms of the way it looks to be playing a toll on JT. What what did you think when you watched him a week after those comments had simmered away all week? Clearly, it is not working for North Queensland across so many elements. When the team is not on the front foot, Jonathan Thurston is not going to be at his best. So is it
0: JT's problem or the team's problem? It's a little bit of everything. I think that you know JT perhaps isn't going to the line as much as he maybe did in the past they're just not getting those quick play the balls you know Thurston and Cooper on that left-hand side in particular have had this great combination for a number of seasons now and you can just you can see the plays in your mind you, you think back to you know it'd be a play the ball from the from the middle of the field the posts it would come to Thurston and he would have either Cooper as the first man option or he'd have out the back Kane Linnett and how many times have you seen him hit The first man, Gavin Cooper, and he pours through a hole or he gets a legs tackle, a quick play the ball off the back of it and then Thurston keeps wrapping from the right-hand side, the open side, to the short side and makes a three-on-two and they score off the back of it. Or a play similar to that nature. We just haven't seen that sort of play from the Cowboys so far this season. We certainly didn't see it up there on Saturday night against the Bulldogs. I think it's just just a lot of things that aren't happening up there, that were happening. Everybody, I think, looks just a yard slower, which is what Brandy said about Mm. Thurston himself. Michael Morgan, my goodness, I don't know what is actually happening up there in Townsville, but whatever it is, it's rattled Michael Morgan because he is a shadow of the player who almost carried them on his back to a grand final victory in 2017. He kicked one out on the full early uh, to give the Bulldogs seven tackles from their own 20. His passing game... He hit the ground, he threw them over players' heads, he was all over the shop. I don't know what's happened to Michael Morgan.
1: Well, his role now is so much different to what it was as they surged into the grand final by virtue of the fact that Jonathan Thurston is back in the team. And I wonder whether we are all being a little harsh on JT. Let's remember, he's in the final year of a long and very decorated career and he's coming back from a significant injury, a shoulder reconstruction. I saw him in... Uh, New Zealand a fortnight ago and wasn't convinced that the shoulder is 100% or even no. near 100%. So when you consider all the factors, the team is not going well across so many factors. JT is a veteran. He's off a serious injury, an injury that might not be 100% healed. I wonder whether he deserves a bit more time than to say he's gone on for a year too long now. Maybe at the end of round, whatever it is, 25 this year, we'll be able to say, yes, he's gone on for a year too long. But Right now, given the champion that is, I'd be very hesitant to say anything like what Brandy did. But given Brandy's standing in the game, he most certainly can have that opinion and voice that possibility.
0: And I think the reaction off the back of it tells you a lot about Brandy's Greg Alexander standing in the game. Because, you know, had it been somebody else, the reaction may have been different. But when Brandy said it, it carried a lot of weight. And people took it very seriously. And it caused headlines and was a story that bubbled along. And there was so much interest in that game on Saturday night up there at 1300 Smile Stadium to see how Thurston would perform off the back of what mm. Brandy said on Monday night. So, you know, it's six season, uh, six games into the season. We'll see what happens in the games ahead. The Cowboys uh, this week... Um, host the Titans was. Yeah, the host the Titans... Saturday
1: night, and big news this week already with Paul Green re-signing for uh, another three years as their head coach. We know that Todd Greenberg and... NRL Power Brokers will be up there to talk about many things, but including Todd Carney being given the green light to join the squad. I wonder what those two storylines do for the Cowboys this week as they head towards the Titans. Already they're desperate, but uh, a few more points of interest as we prepare to see that game on Fox League this Saturday.
0: Why do you suppose they were so keen to sign Todd Carney? Because you've got Uh, Thurston, you've got Morgan, you've got Tamare Martin, who of course did the job last season with Thurston out of action with that shoulder injury. So, you've got to back up there, Taylor made. And I guess, you know, Todd Carney isn't going to earn much money. If he plays this year, he's going to be on the minimum wage, you would imagine, to squeeze him into the salary cap. I don't know exactly what their position is. Nobody does, unless you work at the club or work at the NRL. But, you know, it. Are they thinking was he a, was he you know a security blanket for Jonathan Thurston if he doesn't if the shoulder doesn't come up and he can't make it through the season?
1: People have been saying he's cover for the Origin period, but remember Jonathan Thurston is not going to play Origin this season. Well, that's what we've been told. And Michael Morgan he'll be given despite his current form troubles he'll be given a crack by Kevin Walters first up. You'd imagine so he'll be there for that Origin period. But also maybe was uh, off contract at the back Lachlan Coote. Um, ben Hampton shifted into the centres. Um, and as the season percolates through um, and Morgan doesn't find form, maybe they'll just camp Todd Carney there to put pressure on the likes of off-contract Lachlan Coote, Michael Morgan, if his form doesn't improve. And who knows how else Paul Green thinks he might be able to use him. Could he be a bench utility? We've seen Ben Hampton move in the centres. Could uh, Todd Carney be seen as a centre? He might well be. And just
0: to finish the thought on the Cowboys and the makeup of their roster... Do you reckon they'd like
1: that decision about Kalen Ponga over again? Wow. A highlight for me, a a clear standout highlight was Ponga away, Billy Slater running him down, you know, the next generation against the current generation. That was fantastic. And the way they uh, exchanged some, some dialogue afterwards, I just thought was a really nice touch. And just one of the highlights through uh, round that we've just seen at the NRL.
0: That was sensational. The past, the present and the future mm. all combining there in that one little moment. And Billy, who, who I rate as the best, easily the best defensive fullback I've ever seen play the game. You know, like my knowledge goes back to, I guess, the mid-70s when I was about 10 years of age. Um, you know, from that 74, 75 period on when the Roosters were on top, Russell Fairfax, he was the the long-locked uh, fullback at that time, and he you know, could do things on the field that others couldn't do at that particular point in time, but Billy has been the best that I've ever seen, and especially defensively, and that was a fantastic moment uh, on uh, the weekend. Now, speaking of players who are still trucking on at the back end of their career and how things may have turned out differently, what about the alternate universe we're living in where Benji Marshall, <laughs>
1: who
0: should have retired... To my way of thinking, at the end of 2016, when he came to the end of his period there with the Dragons, now some backstory here, my um, one-time financial planner was also Benji Marshall's one-time manager, Martin Tauber, who's been, you know, he's looked after a bunch of rugby league players, he was a financial planner, morphed into, he basically got thrown Benji Marshall into his lap, and then off the back of that had a bunch of other players including Adrian Morley and a heap of others. Um, no longer looks after Benji; he's moved on to a different manager. But so I've known Benji for quite a while. As a result, you know, pretty much the time he broke into first grade, I've, I've known Benji. And at the end of 2016, I was saying to his um, now financial planner, which is Martin's son Miles Tauber, as right. things turn out, keep things in the family. And I said, I was saying to Miles, "Man, I think Benji has to retire because he's got an tr- easy transition. He just makes the jump from playing." working with us at Fox Sports. He'll go straight into the commentary box. He'll be great on the shows midweek on the panel. He'd already shown that when he was Mm -hmm. doing those um, pieces on NRL 360 with he and Mick Ennis, which I think really changed the way people saw current players, how they could add so much to the dialogue during the week of a show like that. And, you know, Benji had it laid on a platter for him here at Fox Sports, to my way of thinking anyway. But he doesn't do that. He decides to go to Brisbane play a season there and then doesn't retire at the end of that. He goes on again and comes back to the Tigers where it all began, of course, to play what seemed to be just a backup role. Well, instead of just playing a backup role, he becomes the starting five-eighth, of course, with Josh Reynolds out of action with the injury. They're five and one after six rounds, and he is not just the star of the Tigers or one of the stars. He's one of the stars of the NRL competition. Scoring a double was. That's a sliding doors moment to my way of thinking. He could have retired and moved into commentary and TV,
1: but he didn't want to finish the way he finished at the at the Dragons
0: for him. He thought he had more to offer. Mm. He was right.
1: Well that that long and glorious stint at West Tigers, including the two thousand and five Premiership, with all those highlights we've seen so many times, when that finished and he went to rugby and that didn't work out for him. I thought then that might probably be the end of Benji. Certainly some of his early games at St. George Illawarra, I was thinking, Benji, what are you doing back here? It looks strange seeing you in any other jumper apart from West Tigers in the NRL. And clearly it doesn't seem like it's working for you still. But he fought through it and went to Brisbane, as you mentioned, came back to West Tigers, which I thought was nice synergy, but maybe nothing more. Mm. And look at him reborn and and the storyline out of Benji's form is is Josh Reynolds you know he's back now but limited game time yesterday he's their marquee man this week surely he starts off the bench again in Tamworth or does he I suppose Ivan Cleary is the only man who knows but Benji is doing so well that the plans for Josh Reynolds well they've gone out the window for the time being at least and
0: it was stunning to see if he comes into the side, you know, in a starting role at the moment. Given the way they're going, I think he could, yeah, despite being on the big, big money that he got to come from the Bulldogs. I mean, you've got the cap; you spend it however you want to spend it. And you think that obviously the blokes at the top of the salary cap are going to be your starters. Does it matter if he comes off the bench? And he might be earning three quarters of a million dollars plus. To my if way of thinking, now your team's winning was nothing matters. It does exactly right. I mean, you've you've utilized the cap. And he will play a role at some stage. You know, it would be rare for both Benji and Luke Brooks to get through the season uninjured. So at some point you would think if there is an injury, then he's a tailor-made fit. He comes into the halves. But Jacob Little's playing well Mm. as a hooker. They've been high on him for a number of years, and he's had issues with shoulder reconstructions for a couple of seasons now. But, you know, he's a handy player to come off the bench. He's energy at the back end. Like, if you're thinking, you know... And yesterday, there was a bit of a comeback from the seagulls early in the <clears throat> in the first half, and you thought, "Wow, well, the Tigers might fade a little here they 've got a pretty big lead it 's hard to imagine them, you know coughing that lead up, but you 've got Reynolds to come off the bench and mm. here he throw him out there, it gets him going, jeez him up, and maybe there was a little bit of that yesterday, but you know they 're doing it nicely, and I think Reynolds is for the time being a bench player only
1: yeah, and we 'll see more of them in Tamworth this weekend. I love the fact that we 've seen. Games taken to regional areas. It will continue with Carrington Park in Bathurst looming down the track. But this weekend, yep, Saturday afternoon, West Tigers against Newcastle in Tamworth. And I believe that game is already sold out. So, uh, fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing West Tigers again. I look forward to seeing them every weekend at the moment. Right. Uh, I, I can't believe it. I thought they'd be 0-5. I, I'm happy to say I did not see them winning a game in the first five weeks. Yet here they are with just the one defeat. And that defeat maybe shouldn't have been either.
0: And they've gotten past or gotten through the supposed tough part of their draw with five wins and one loss, as you mentioned. So, you know, things have changed as far as our opinions on teams. They've got the Dragons twice between now and September. They've got other teams as well twice who are playing in good form. But, you know, you can only do what they've done so far and... They're the real deal as far as a top eight team. They've proven that. There's no if there was if there was going to if the bubble was going to burst, it burst before now. Mm. I mean, they had a horrendous record at Brookvale before yesterday, and they go over there now. Tom Trebouich may not have been 100% fit. He certainly didn't. He wasn't at his best. There's no question about that. So, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you. They've beaten pretty much everybody, and as you say, should have beaten the Broncos. Their defence, I mean, it is unbelievable. They're conceding just 11.2 points. Per game to be on top of the ladder. We went through their record compared to la- previous seasons last week. But 11.2 per game, that's that's better than what Melbourne have done no, in, in phenomenal recent
1: seasons. Phenomenal. And, uh, you know, Ivan Cleary, I don't think you would want to take all the credit. He deserves a big chunk of it. But even, you know, veteran trainer Ronnie Palmer sprinkling the fairy dust over the team <laughs> before they left the dressing room. You're about to go out. It's a time for stern faces and absolutely no interruption. We know what teams are like on game day. Yet there's Ronnie Palmer opening a little box and sprinkling confetti over the team saying, here's your magic dust or something along those lines. I couldn't pick up the audio. Josh Reynolds is debut. Uh, Yeah, I just thought that's that's a little insight into a very happy club at the moment. and And, and you know, it's not just... Ronnie Palmer or Ivan Cleary. There's a whole team there of players and support staff, and they're doing very, very well. There
0: was a nice bounce back. Uh, we'll just cut back to the Cowboys and the Bulldogs for the moment because um, there was a nice comeback by the Bulldogs who'd had a tough uh, first five weeks under the coaching of Dean Pay and that transition from Des Hasler to Dean Pay. One of their best players, undoubtedly, this season, and he was pretty good at again last year, which is why he got a, an extended deal and now a starting role under Dean Pay is Raymond Faitala Mariner. Now, we've spoken in past episodes of the podcast about doing your homework and getting your prep ready for games. And in doing my prep last week, I came across a little nugget about Raymond Faitala Mariner and who his childhood idol was. There is Raymond Faitala Mariner struggling and getting his team a penalty. Good effort by the former warrior who... Earlier in the week, in the lead-up to this game, when he was questioned about as to who was his childhood idol. When he was a young kid growing up playing rugby union at that stage, he said, When we made teams in the neighbourhood, all the boys wanted to be Warriors or Broncos. I wanted to be a Dragon. I wanted to be Mark Gasnier." No, that's a G-O. That is 100% true. The player he wanted to be, the player he tried to emulate in those games out in the front yard was M. Gaznia. He must have got a couple of head knocks. Poor Fatala Mariner. Good just see he followed the Dragons, that was. And he loves an offload, the Gaznia offload. We'll see if he can produce one here tonight. Jackson stopped here, right in front of the uprights. A chance on his left-hand side. They go towards Fatala Mariner. Here he is! Channeling Mark Gaznia. Raymond by Fatala Mariner. You couldn't do it any better yourself, Gaz. Well, I could not hit a hole, but I'll tell you what, they don't come any better than that. But Tarla Mariner, he's been so dangerous on the left edge for the Bulldogs. He's timing, look at this, that's to perfection. Greg Eastwood, what a great ball. Sometimes you just get whacked up the backside by a (laughs) rainbow, don't you?
1: Kissed on the ass by an angel was, I think they like to say at times too. But you know what? We should tell listeners that wasn't edited. That was the way it was said and unfolded on Saturday night. And we should tell people that you mentioned prep. You do that for 34 players, some more than others, but but then more times than not, it wouldn't see the light of day, would it?
0: No, and you use maybe, I don't know, hard to put a figure on it, but... 20%? 20%, 25%, maybe sometimes less than 20% of the stuff you prep for, depending on the game and the way it plays out. If it's close... And if it's it's exciting, you don't need as much prep and that background stuff um, as sometimes you do when the game is a bit of a blowout. But that situation there, it's funny because, you know, you've got to just pick your moment because you've got a bit of a story to tell and you need that space in the game to tell that story. And it's hard to sometimes get a shot of a player. And you want the player on camera, you know, it, which is the best way to do it, try and match the pictures with the words. And there was a chance earlier in the game to mention that story. And I just had the sense that, no, we haven't got the time here. I'll hold it off and just see how I go down the track. And so here it is. He gets the penalty. And I thought, well, this, now we've got 10 or 15 seconds, mm. and he'll be on camera. I'll give it a run now and just see what happens, not thinking for a moment that two plays later he would score the try, having just mentioned that his idol was Mark Gasnier. I mean, it, it, it's just sometimes it, it just all comes together for you, Matthew. Well, I
1: saw it in a uh, New Zealand pub with the sound down, and I saw them taking a shot of Mark Gaznia, and I thought, oh, there's something happening here, and then I heard the highlights the next morning, and I heard you saying, channeling Mark Gaznia, I thought to myself that Gaz must have uh, said, I want Raymond Fytala-Mariner to do this, or to do that, and I think it will work if he does this, when I see the full story now, I think it's absolutely magnificent, and uh, yeah, well done, when it comes to the prep, where did you get the Mark Gasnier information about Raymond from?
0: Off the club website. It's amazing what you can find in the most yep. obvious places. Sometimes you're digging through, you know, different stories that might have been from a couple of years ago. If you're going way back to try and find some background about an injury or you know a player's you know junior club or you know different things from a long time ago, but sometimes the the gold is just sitting there right in front of you, and it was a story that was on the website you know a couple of days before the game. was yeah, well, simple as that.
1: It was magnificent, and I thought it was great. They took a shot of Gaz, and uh, yeah, Raymond Tyler Marinet. Long been an impressive player in my books, and I know the Warriors are really hurting that they let him go because at, at uh, Canterbury he has done a job. So
0: they bounce back uh, with a good performance up there in Townsville, but at the other end of the spectrum, I've had people asking me saying you need to discuss the Eels this week mm. on the podcast. They were described. Again, by Greg Alexander over the weekend as legless, going down 18 points to two to the Canberra Raiders down there in Canberra. Um, Brayton Astor was beside himself with that performance down there in Canberra on Saturday night. I mean, it's hard to imagine where they go from here because it seemed like at the press conference after the game, Brad Arthur was lost. He, was, he said, I'm lost for words. Mm. It's hard to describe what we're seeing. And if you talk about the Tigers... And Ronnie Palmer and the fairy dust and the vibe they've got going there at the moment at Concord, their HQ. Well, there is no vibe. There's no mojo. There's no nothing at Parramatta. They look like the unhappiest bunch of footballers, talented footballers as they are. But they look so
1: unhappy and they look just, they're going through the motions. Well, well losing will make you unhappy. You know, people will look at them and saying why are they unhappy? And draw conclusions that I don't think are correct. Basically, when you're getting beaten, you're unhappy. So then let's start at the top. Brad Arthur, is he the right coach? Well, he was the right coach last season. Does six games change that? No. He's had success throughout his coaching career, be it from Bateman's Bar on the South Coast to Queensland into the NRL realm. He's a good coach. Mm. Don't blame Brad Arthur. And then you go through the team. The forward pack, not big, but they've got it by on ticker and intent in previous seasons. Maybe there's a, there's something there that needs to improve. The halves clearly aren't working at the moment. Uh, and then they've had some injuries as well. So there are probably four or five contributing factors, or more. But, but I don't think you can say, well, you know how we fix the Eels? Just do that. I, I think there are a raft of problems that need to be solved. And I, I don't know when that changes. This weekend, they've got the Eagles at ANZ. Like, How would you like to be predicting that game? Eels, Eagles, ANZ. One team could win at 50 blot. The other team could win at 50 blot.
0: It would be amazing if it was the Eels winning 50 blot because I don't know how they score. Yeah. Well, they can't score any points at the moment. They're scoring 7.7 points per game through the opening six weeks of the competition. 7.7. Oh, okay. 7. That is half as many as the Sharks, who are ranked
1: 15th. And, and won't the the, uh, the Eagles and Eels be keen for this game given what happened you know, earlier this season? Part of the reason that the eels are struggling so badly was because of what the eagles did to them so yeah i don't know maybe it won't be 50 nil one side or 50 nil the other way maybe it'll be 50 nil eagles or 10 nil eels (laughs) something like that perhaps i mean they need you know i don't
0: know they need an injection of something i don't know how you actually go out there and just say What's, what's wrong, guys? I mean, what's happening to you? Do you get a sports psychologist in? And lots of the clubs use sports psychologists. I, I would be stunned if they don't use mm. a sports psychologist. But there is something wrong, and there's just it's a vibe. Um, it can't be... you know. Like, I'm sure they look good on the training paddock, but everyone looks good on the training paddock. Everyone looks good in the pre-season. Well, we've never been fitter, never been stronger. We're yeah. bench-pressing small cars. Uh, it means
1: nothing. Every team's going to win the comp pre-season.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, is it the curse of Jared Hayne? Well,
1: Jared's come back. That, that is one of the factors. I mean, that the has Titans were
0: horrendous last year with Jared in the camp. Now, out there, the word out of the Eagles camp is no. Jared has been phenomenal. Mm. He's invested in what we're doing. He's really bought in to the team ethos and what we're trying to do. He hasn't been playing, so you know you can't blame Jared Hayne for the past couple of weeks. But the mix out there in general, quite obviously isn't right, is there something behind the scenes that will emerge down the track and everyone goes, well no wonder they're playing like that, because this has to be something, I'm lost for an explanation
1: Yeah, after what they did last season, after what they did pre-season and all the hype that, hey Parramatta, they're a top four team, they could be the premiers this year, maybe they listened to that and thought, oh well, we're going to go really well and three or four weeks in didn't have a win and then panicked, I I don't know I, I, I don't know what's wrong with them but I watch every game with interest and who knows, I will watch every newspaper article with interest and maybe that story you talk of or insinuate about might emerge was, who knows.
0: Do you know what's happening with the Roosters? Because while they've got wins on the board and the Eels don't, but the Roosters are a little bit the same way at the moment, they're a bit schizophrenic, you just don't know yeah. which Roosters you're going to get. They can look good at times, The Cronk and Keary, that combination has been terrific in various wins, but last week against
1: the Rabbitohs. They need more from the forwards, don't they? They need more from the forward pack because South Sydney just up the middle. If it wasn't the Burgess boys, it was Damien Cook out of Dummy Half. I sat sidelining this one. Was, you called it, and uh, the Bunnies were a pleasure to watch. They really were. True. Rolling up their sleeves straight up the middle and then let everything happen from there. And the Roosters, they need to muscle up. They need to take it as a, a personal insult when people are questioning their forward pack. Yeah,
0: and, and you know what? And with Parramatta, it's hard to really know what's happening because they're pretty much awful right across the board. But everybody knows at the moment that the Roosters forward pack is leaking like a sieve. Siwa Takayaho injures his knee in the warm-up. That did them no favours because he's been comfortably their best forward. But outside of that, um, there'll be a lot of soul-searching at HQ over there at Bondi Junction and at the uh, football stadium this week because – They're in all sorts of trouble and they face on Thursday night the Bulldogs coming off a good win against the Cowboys and David Clemmer and Aaron Woods... Uh, producing their best form of the season.
1: Yeah, if I was Trent Robinson, I'd go back to a tackle last Thursday where Boyd Cordner got hold of Angus Crichton and slammed him on his back. And I was sitting nearby. You could hear it. You could almost feel the earth move. Angus was slow, back to his feet. Boyd Cordner jammed him, and he really hurt him legally. And I think that's what the whole forward pack needs to do, take a leaf out of that tackle that was displayed by Boyd Cordner and say, we're going to do it every game across as many of the 80 minutes as possible.
0: So we've got some teams with some issues going into round seven and some teams who are flying at the top of the ladder. And where
1: are the Broncos in was in your eyes? Because I called them on the weekend and I was dubious about their chances. I think maybe this is going to be the season from hell for Wayne Bennett, but the wily old coach delivered his team that played with intent They played with more purpose than the Warriors, and it soon became evident that they were never going to lose that game. You know, I got a word, a tip-off, that the night before, Wayne had spoken at a charity event and was asked about the problems at uh, the Broncos and very coolly and very calmly answered every question and basically said, uh, I've got no uh, problems about tomorrow, we will win. He he knew his team was ready to go, and sure enough, uh, Josh Maguire delivered uh, all the forwards, Went over the top of the Warriors to start with. I don't know why the Warriors swapped Bunty Offa out of the starting lineup for Sam Lasoni. That didn't work. Uh, the they took control of the Broncos and Corey Oates, a man who's been criticized for his ability with the ball down around his ankles, scooped up a couple of times without even a blemish, a really strong try. The Broncos, they're not back, but they were, were certainly as Good as I've seen them so far this season. So uh, there's a bit of life in the Brisbane boys yet as they prepare for now five of six games at Suncorp, starting with Melbourne on Friday night. Do the Broncos need a reason to play?
0: Are they a team that needs something outside the game? Because I want to take you back to round one. They got beaten pretty convincingly by the Dragons down there at Cogra, 34 points to 12 And it was off the back of all the drama about Matt Lodge, which rolled into beyond that game into the next week. Wayne Bennett was under pressure. The team was under pressure. The club was under pressure for the way they handled the whole Matt Lodge uh, situation. They come out the next week, a different side, and with a bit of help from the goalpost pad, they get the better of the Cowboys up there 24 points to 20. So here we are. They've just been beaten by the Newcastle Knights in Round 5. Wayne Bennett is not part of the story. He is the complete story this time after what Nathan Brown says at the press conference and maybe the players up there in Brisbane, they need something to come out and prove that they can still do it because maybe there was this feeling off the back of that whole drama off the press conference with what Nathan Brown said, the big head, the little head, all of that. It was, again, a big story through the week. Maybe there's that feeling like we can't let this happen. We have to come out and show them that we are the team that is united Mm. and not divided, as Wayne has alluded to in the past, and they put that sort of performance in against the Warriors, but then we'll see what happens when they come out this week and they take on the Melbourne Storm.
1: Well, they did beat the Warriors, but I know that the Broncos' camp as a whole was very happy with the performance against Newcastle. They just thought that it didn't quite go their way, and Newcastle outplayed them. They weren't uh, necessarily upset with Newcastle. They've been very happy with both performances, One of them for the win, one of them for the loss. So if they do it for a third week in a row against the storm, I assume they'll be happy and give themselves best chance of winning again.
0: Speaking of feuds, as we were,
1: I was fascinated over the weekend and it was
0: you know it's unusual. Occasionally a CEO or a leader of an organization will say, you know, I'm on Twitter for the next, you know, hour or so. Fire your questions at me. So on the weekend and it happened yesterday, I presume, because I, in amongst out there searching for the dog, I get back and while I'm watching the tigers and the seagulls, I click on Twitter at half time just to see what everybody's talking about, keeping across you know topics and situations, and there's just a raft of responses and tweets from Todd Green- Greenberg, mm. and he's talking about you know um, the game and how he should talk the game up, and I think it was there was a hashtag you know came off the back of it, talk the game hashtag, talk the game up. Um, and I'm thinking, what's, what's fired this? And then I realise, I go back in time to find out that on Saturday night at some stage, I'm guessing during the Raiders-Eels games, that Phil Rothfield, lead uh, chief rugby league editor, reporter, journalist for the Sunday uh, Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph, and of course for Fox Sports as well. He's here working on NRL 360 and is part of the uh, Controversy, controversy corner. corner with the panel on Big League Rap that'll be on Monday nights as always. But Phil um, wasn't too happy with what Oba, obviously he was seeing in the Raiders Eels game because he tweeted, "Rugby League is now a shit game," mm. and I'm guessing that Todd Greenberg has taken exception to that, and it's sparked off this whole raft of debate on Twitter. The next afternoon, am I right there? Yep,
1: yeah, that's that's a good summary, and. And Todd took the chance today. he's been travelling the country and New Zealand, talking to the clubs and telling them to talk the game up at every opportunity. Um, and that was just his way, I think, of going back at Phil Rothfield, who was subsequently uh, apologised for that comment and retreated from that, saying that I love the game, but I was doing it tough on Saturday night. So maybe a tweet he regrets, but it did spark the debate, uh, should... We just talk the game up. And I don't know whether Todd wanted us to only talk the game up. I think he probably wanted us to talk it up as a default, to do it more, and therefore buy your right to question something or criticise an element of the game. Uh, if you have done enough positive, you can come out with a negative. Of course, plenty of people on Twitter just launched, took it as their opportunity to say, well, I will talk the game up once you fix A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and off they went. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's a fair summary. Uh,
0: people always have plenty of complaints, um, and you can, you can find any number of faults in any organisation, and I've been a critic of the NRL over a number of years, about a number of different topics, but I think if you're going to do that, you have to have, be able to provide a solution as well, and you can't just keep taking shots you know, in the air, firing off the shotgun and saying, it's all wrong, it's not good, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You have to, at some stage, say, okay, this is the way I would fix it. And that's the problem I see with a lot of critics of the game, that... It's one thing to take a shot at the game, but you need to be able to say, well, this is what I would do. This is the way I would fix it. I don't see that all that often from people.
1: No. And if was, use yourself as an example. You have criticised the game at times. If you could, of a 100 percentage points, how much would be positive that you say and do for the game as opposed to critical? What, 90 10? 95 5? Yeah, but, you know, something like that, 90% 90, 90 exactly. to 10%. and I think well, if people yeah. ask themselves, am I always just bagging the game and being negative, well, then I need to have an attitude adjustment. Alternatively, if you are overwhelmingly positive but have a, have something that is a beef with you, you should be able to voice it and say, what are your thoughts on this negative in the game? I hope people aren't scared off voicing their concerns with the game, but at the same time, I think Todd has a point by saying, well, let's make sure we have balance for all you negative Nancys. Let's bring some positive positivity to it at times. I'll lead you on to a point that I want to uh, criticise at the moment, is sin binnings. We're seeing more and more of them. No problem with that at all. We're trying to make the game better. But when players get sin binned, the time it takes them to walk from oh. the field, it's like they're walking to the gallows. And I know why they're doing it, because invariably they've been sin binned because their team is under the pump defensively. And if you take half an hour to walk from the field, your team, they can't, the referees cannot restart play So the defensive team now down to 12, gets to regroup, regather, get the oxygen into the lungs. It is a tactic to leave the field slowly. So I said to the referees, why can't we just allow the attacking team to tap and go? And they said, we can't, because we've got to wait for the uh, sin bin player to leave the field. If we allow play to resume, then the the attacking teams will be throwing the ball at him, running defensive moves or attacking moves at him, the game becomes a mess. So what's the solution to that one? The solution
0: to that one is pretty simple as far as I'm concerned. Um, if the player sin doesn't leave the field within 10 seconds, then he is ruled out of the game. He's not sent off as such. You're allowed to replace him once that 10 minutes of the sin-bin expires, but that player can no longer take part in the game. It's, just, it's exactly like the AFL when they make an interchange. If you don't go through the, the lines on the boundary line, for the interchange players to go come on and off for the field through, you can't take any further part in the game. You have to get that right. And if you can't leave the field, let's put a time we've got a clocks for all manner of things. Mm. Now it should be pretty common sense. You have to jog off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Don't walk. Don't get to the sideline and just stand there like Cameron Smith did the other week and try and milk up a bit of time for your team to, as you say, get set, catch their breath, get themselves organised defensively. You've got 10 seconds to leave the field. If you can't do that, you are excluded from the game and your team is down to 16 for the remainder of the game. That might be 3 minutes it might be 73 minutes. Whatever it is, you can't come back.
1: Yep, Uh, that's that's a good response and I'll segue into our name of the week because the referees I was speaking to this about were Adam G, great fella, and Ziggy Persher-Klasa Adamski, who is a great (laughs) bloke. And we were, I checked the pronunciation of his name, Ziggy Persher-Klasa Adamski, and uh, had to have a couple of cracks at it. Ziggy Persher-Klasa Adamski, great fella, but Ziggy's not actually his first name. It's Stop. a variation on his first name. He was joking that he was into mum and dad saying, "Why did you lumber me with this name?" So he they were Niscot fans. Ziggy,
0: was, they were Ziggy Niscot Ziggy fans. Ziggy is they? the
1: easy part of it. He says I've had to spend so much time explaining Pusher Klasa Adamski that uh, I just went with Ziggy. So uh, a couple of great blokes doing a good job there in Auckland, and I joked with Adam as he walked off. Adam Gee said, "Don't get my name wrong." And I said, "No, I've got it down, Pat. Adam Gee, it is." Beautiful.
0: Very nice. You know, it's funny, I haven't had Ziggy yet in a game that I've done. I don't know how that's worked out, but I haven't had Ziggy as one of my four officials. But you've given me the pronunciation. I'm good with that, and I'm running with that from now on.
1: If you look at it on paper, it doesn't look anything like Persia, Klasa, Adamski. Yeah, if you look at it on paper, you go,
0: (laughs) I'm in a world of trouble here once I get Ziggy at a game I'm doing.
1: Well, I called the game with Daryl Halligan, and he said, uh, you know, it's Sam Tangatayashi. I said, yes, I know it is traditionally, but for us, Daryl, it's Sam Tagatayashi. And he said, no, no, I just asked him. He wants Tangatayashi. So I said, right. No, I'm go- I am went up to Sam. I said, Sam, I've asked you in Australia. It's Sam Tagatayashi. Your tagger. Your nickname is tagger. And he said, Yeah. I'm Tagatisi in Australia, but Tangatisi in New Zealand. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not, Slammer. You're not. Oh, so I mentioned boy. it once and then stuck with Tagatisi. It uh, just continues <laughs> on. The evolution of
0: pronunciations in the NRL. Let's have a look ahead now to round seven. It all kicks off on Thursday night. We mentioned the Bulldogs and the Roosters. I'm calling this one on uh, those are not out there at ANZ Stadium. The Dogs will be buoyant off that win up there in uh, Townsville. It's going to be a work in progress, quite obviously, under the coaching of Dean Pay. And as we discovered last week, their salary cap situation, that ticking time bomb, once again left by, yes, Des Hasler, just as he did at the Manly Seagulls back in 2011 when he well, moved he did on to the Bulldogs. By
1: Tyler Mariner at the club, so well done, Des. That's a good get, you know, scoring tries here on on Saturday night but yes it's it's continue. the it's the
0: way those <laughs> <Yeah>. those contracts <laughs> yeah. play out where yes. they earn 150,000 yes. in year 1 and by the time you get to year 4 you're earning 850,000
1: back-ended deals was like borrowing money to go on holidays do not do it
0: <laughs> before we I'll just touch on Des. before we move on to the other games does Des ever coach in the NRL again um I, for my way of thinking having left not one but now two ticking salary cap time bombs I don't think des coaches ever again in the NRL
1: I'm, I'm saying he will I'm he, saying he there's will. going to be a club that that falls for for des haszlitt and what des Hazler brings to a club I know that he has brought some problems recently but I reckon that desperate clubs do desperate things and and reaching out for des will happen I am saying
0: strange dude des when he, well, he he used to live around the corner from... I don't think
1: we really know Des. Uh, no one... I'll
0: tell you this, nobody knows Des, because he used to live around the corner from Greg Alexander, yeah. a little corner of sort of just near Long Reef Golf Club on the northern beaches, uh, Collaroy there. There's a, a bunch of, you know, luminaries live around there, Matty Johns included. Yeah. Um, but Des used to live just around the corner, one of those little streets, you know, a stone throw literally from the beach itself. And Brandy was walking past Des's house one day and Des's wife was out the front doing some cleaning up in what looked to be the forerunner to a garage sale at some stage over the weekend. And Brandy was like, just doing a bit of cleaning up. Yep, yep. They're just tidying a few things up, whatever else. Next day, Brandy walks past the house again. And do you know what happened
1: overnight? Uh, I think I've heard this story before. It had been sold. Des moved (laughs) overnight under the cover of darkness. The
0: Hasler household moved from what Brandy thought was just the initial stages of
1: what was going to be a garage sale. Well, I'll I'll say this was. That's uh, strange. Des is doing a bit of uh, media work at the moment. And I would like to do a bit of work with Des because I think that maybe, just maybe, if we became media colleagues in a small capacity, I would get to know him and understand him a little better.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it, it's the secret society that just the you know the the secrets and the paranoia and everything that went into the coaching reign there at the Bulldogs Ooh. for such a long time. Well, I don't know.
1: We'll ever know the real Des. When Hasler. I watch those retro games with Des Hasler playing halfback or hooker for Manly and speaking quietly and politely to everyone and just doing his business, I think is that the same Des Hasler that's just coached Canterbury? It's coaching, you know. Coaching yeah. sends them crazy. Yeah, it well, makes them cuckoo. Well.
0: There's, there's signs of a couple of fellas at the moment <laughs> who I've had an enormous rap on over the past
1: four or five years. Oh, I'm tempted to get you to name names here. was? I've got a couple of question marks
0: suddenly. I think it's like, ooh, I can see how this is going to end. Mm. I've seen this before. We we'll yeah. might discuss that later in the season, <laughs> depending on what happens with those couple of clubs um, in the next 20 rounds or so. Okay, Roosters Bunnies. who uh, Sorry, Roosters Bulldogs. Who wins?
1: Uh, Well, given that my tipping is uh, of absolutely no consequence, I don't expect anyone to pay any credit to what I say here, but Roosters, I I just think they're going to have to find their form and a string of wins soon, surely. Michael Leash is good at a dummy half, and I
0: think he'll find some space in amongst that forward pack. Like Damien Cook did. He's not as quick as Damien Cook, but he can pick his moments, and and without Des there, he's got a free reign to run. I think you'll you'll get them going. I'm going to say the Bulldogs at home out there at Homebush on a Thursday night can get the cash against the Roosters. On Friday night, I'm also doing mm. the Warriors and the Dragons from uh, Mount Smart Stadium. It was going to be the two teams who were 6-0 and oh until the yeah. Warriors went down to the Broncos. The Warriors, now you were there, you called it, watching the game... I just thought they weren't as sharp. All the passing that was just had been terrific that you know, Sean Johnson had been throwing laser like passes, you know, over the left ear hole of a support runner to a you know, a centre or a winger, Fusatua or Mamalo. It's, it's the passing and the the play has been so crisp from them up until the game against the Broncos. They weren't as sharp and that's why they lost. Yeah.
1: They just weren't there. They weren't at the same level they were for five and oh and you go through it. Isaac Luke wasn't quite as damaging out of dummy half. And across the whole field, Sean Johnson didn't run the ball until the 50th minute mark. Uh, They've lost Solomon Akata and Leva Harpulu to injury. So suddenly a couple of changes necessitated for Stephen Kearney. I'm still inclined to tip the Warriors to beat the Dragons. Staying in New Zealand, they've had that wake-up call. They'll make a few subtle adjustments. I wish they were still at full strength and I would say I think the Warriors will win. I'm still going to stick with the Warriors. Though. I'm going
0: to go the Dragons. That one, I think the six and O, they've proven themselves, and the Warriors, you know, could bounce back and quite likely, a potentially, uh, win. But I think you know, I think the Dragons can make mm. it seven and O to start they're the great. season. What a what a story that would be going into Anzac Day against yeah. the Roosters in front of a, a massively uh, partisan Dragons crowd. You would think, given the way they're going,
1: and the Warriors off to Melbourne on an Anzac Day. So their yep. next games now are uh, Dragons Melbourne, having just lost to. Uh, Brisbane, so it's an important three games for the Warriors. Dropping one game, big opponents over the next two games. Yeah, if they're 5-1, and one, that's one thing. If they're 5-3 and three or 5-4 mm. and four off mm. the back of the great start, then yeah. we'll have big
0: question marks uh, hanging over them. The Broncos and the Storm, the second game on Friday night. This one up there at Suncorp Stadium. It should be a big, big crowd. Potentially, the last time you see um, Billy Slater go around up there at Suncorp Stadium. Um, We don't know what's going to happen with Cameron Smith beyond this season, but it's always a popular game. Mm. I think Melbourne, um, having bounced back over the weekend, albeit against the Newcastle Knights, who can be a bit iffy at times, they've been good. They've also leaked some points in games, which they did against the Melbourne Storm. They got behind early, couldn't get themselves out of the hole. I still have... Some doubts about the Broncos, I'm going to say Melbourne will win that one.
1: I'm with you, because uh, a big travel weekend for Brisbane. They've lifted for the Warriors. Matt Lodge with a rib injury, and he's important to their pack. So, uh, yep, storm for me too, Was You're doing the Rabbitohs and the Raiders up
0: there on the central coast at Gosford.
1: Yeah, the Rabbitohs taking the game to Gosford against... Canberra And the way the Rabbitohs played against the Roosters, I'm inclined to say that they'll enjoy this outing against the Raiders as well. But haven't they set this game up, these teams both off wins now? Uh, Ricky's Raiders going back to back. I'll go with the Rabbitohs as the home team there and, and off the back of what they did against the Roosters. They get Sam Burgess back into the team this week as well. No winners without him. How are they going to go with him back in the team?
0: Yeah, the Raiders have been good to bounce back after that horror start, the 0-4 beginning to 2018 Two wins on the trot. Um, Ricky is buoyant. Uh, he's into everybody. Uh, <laughs> he was the he was the coach who called his own players soft. And they didn't deserve to wear the jumper. And within the space of you know days, literally, um, they're men of steel. How dare you doubt them? We Best are, win I've been associated tough. with at Canberra. We, we don't <laughs> we don't fade all of that. Yeah, so Ricky, the emotional yo-yo that Ricky can be, he's right back in sync with the team. But I think the Rabbitohs might just uh, get the better of them up there in Gosford. You mentioned the Tigers and Knights up there at mm. Scully Park in Tamworth. That's great. That it's a sellout already. Yeah. you expect that with an NRL game going to a country town like that. Um, It might be dry and dusty up there, but the field, I'm sure, will be sensational, and uh, I think the Tigers just keep on keeping on. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. Yeah, they're winning. Stay with them.
0: Can the Cowboys do something to break this five-game streak
1: against the Gold Coast Titans? This one also the last game on Saturday night. Surely, I I, I thought the Cowboys would belt the Dogs. Surely... They beat the Titans, who encountered injury problems at Penrith last weekend. I think the Titans are a brave young team, but they need a lot to go in their way. At the moment, I don't think it has in terms of the injuries. So the Cowboys re-signing the coach under the pump. Surely, surely this is the weekend they win. Surely. You would think. You would think. At some stage, push will come to
0: shove, and maybe the last of the Bulldogs, and it was a comprehensive one of 27 points to 10, Maybe that's uh, the final straw and they get fair about their campaign because otherwise their campaign is done and dusted yeah. before we get to May. Yeah. That would be incredible for
1: one of the pre-season favourites to take out the title. Vossy's on the sunshine swing. He's doing Broncos storm into Cowboys titans.
0: Fantastic. Good to see him getting some frequent flyer points as well. <laughs> the Eels and the Seagulls. Now, we mentioned this uh, earlier on. Um, the Seagulls weren't anywhere near what the team, the team they can be against the Tigers yesterday at Lotto Land. Um, Despite that poor performance, they'll beat the Eels because the Eels can't beat anybody at the moment.
1: Yeah, Matty Nabel is calling this game and uh, he'll be asking himself, how can we hype this game up? Because the Eels and the Eagles. uh, Doesn't offer a lot on paper, but sometimes those games provide the most was.
0: And if we were talking earlier on about Benji Marshall being one of the stars of this new season... What about James Maloney? Ah, incredible. You know what he's done since moving from the Sharks? He has taken over, especially with Nathan Cleary, out of action for a number of weeks to come with that knee injury for the Panthers. They take on the Sharks at good old Shark Park in the final game of round seven. James Maloney returns, and if he's had some motivation before this game... He will want to go back there and stick it up his old club <laughs> like you've never seen oh, before.
1: You know what? I watched the replay of this game last night, and I, I couldn't help but tweet that James Maloney uh, looks like the bloke next door, sounds like the pest of the plub, pub, but makes playing look all too easy. You know, he was just a pleasure to watch. And, and he looks like he's having fun. He looks like he's a class above. It's like running winks at Kemble Grange. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like at the moment. He's beating them by lengths. Yeah, and, and this, this his inclusion in this game alone back at Shark Park, that we'll call it the bandage cup because the Sharks, Fafita, Lewis, Graham, Gallon, Bakuya injured, Penrith with Cleary already out, Dallin Wateni's a Lesniak, now of Blake, Mansour. Josh Mansour. You know, I don't want to detract from the game because uh, Maloney's inclusion will make it a beauty. But, gee, both teams have copped a battering last week and previous week. So who's going to stand tallest and fittest at Southern Cross Group Stadium?
0: The Panthers will uh, get the cash.
1: Yeah, I think so too. That's but our
0: tips for round seven probably... of the NRL. Uh, just to finish off on, we're talking about the Sharks and talking about players and rosters, back of deals and whatever else, and who may or may not regret not signing Kalen Ponger up there in Townsville. He, the Sharks did they they buy Josh Dugan, signed Josh Dugan just because he was available. It's one thing to have a player available who's a good player, but the Dragons couldn't find a place for Josh Dugan to play. Mm. You know they weren't going to pay him the money he wanted to be a centre. They wanted to if you're going to get that sort of money you've got to be a fullback. But they couldn't play him at fullback at the Dragons because he couldn't offer in the red zone what you need from one of your key players. You've got your halfback, you've got your 5'8", eighth, you've got your fullback. You need a lot out of those three in the red zone. And the Dragons couldn't get it out of Josh Dugan. So he goes to the Sharks and they discover, guess what? You can't get what you need out of Josh Dugan in the red zone. And they've paid big money for him to go there. It sometimes teams just snaffle players. You see it a lot. And you think, why did you sign that player? Because you, you there was no obvious hole for him. He was available, sure. And yeah,
1: in the right spot, he's a good player but it hasn't worked and they don't know where they are at the moment. Part of their problems, a main part of the Sharks' problems through my eyes is not quite knowing how they want their team to take the field in round 18 or 20 or 22 because this back line, it could play all over the place. Valentine Holmes, is he a fullback or is he a winger? Dugan, fullback or centre? Moreland, is he going to play in the halves or is he going to go to fullback with another uh, make-up elsewhere? We just don't know. Mm. And as a result, they look like they don't know.
0: They've got some issues down there with those injuries and searching for some form as well. Matty, thanks
1: for coming along. Been a pleasure, was. Highlight of the week, as usual, just behind calling the games on the weekend.
0: <laughs> My highlight <laughs> of the week was that great left-edge back row for the Bulldogs, Raymond, Faitala Gaznia. Good job, fellas.